And welcome back to Music Free Static. I hope you're having a fabulous day. It is a beautiful day here. And I wanted to talk a little bit about books and movies and TV. Because all that stuff is fun, right? And I've recently been watching uh, the show Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which is on Disney Plus as I'm recording this. Uh, actually, episode four should have dropped, like, last night as as this goes to air uh, on, on YouTube. So, it's we're literally in the middle of the series. And it's it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I'll probably do a, um, a whole separate video about the show when the series is over. But I, it got me thinking about book series that, one, should be brought to the, the screen in some way or other. But maybe not as movies, right? But these are books that hey, might be better as a, as a limited series or a TV series of sorts rather than as movies, okay? Now, <laughs> there are a lot of them, surprisingly enough. Honestly, I think most book series would do better as a limited TV series, okay? It's just because there tends to be a lot going on. Now, here's the thing. Before we get into any conversation about what's better is this or that or other, there are a few considerations, right, on any translation of a book into any non-book media, okay? You're, you're translating it to a movie, you're translating it to a TV show, or a radio play, doesn't matter. You're going to have to change things because most books are uh, include some sort of inner monologue of the of the uh, protagonist or right you you understand some of their thought process from the narration of the book and you have to change how that happens in the movies okay it's just that's just going to be the reality of the situation you've got a different medium uh you tell the story differently okay so i'm not expecting as we're talking about this, anything to go an exact one-to-one -one change or transition, right? Look, here's a great example, Harry Potter, okay? The first Harry Potter movies were beautiful. Actually, most of the Harry Potter movies, they look great. But the first two uh, really, really looked good and they really built up the world of Harry Potter, Hogwarts, and all of that visually, okay? It looked beautiful. Didn't translate well, right? The, the story didn't. The problem they ran into, especially in the first two movies, is basically they lifted scenes almost verbatim from the books and dropped those into the movie with barely enough stitching to actually tell the story. Okay, that was, they were not great translations of the stories from those first couple of books into uh, movies. The third one, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, did a much better job of telling the story and making the changes necessary to tell the story on screen in a different format and a different time limit 
than the previous two did. Okay. So that's something you've got to think about as you're trying to wrap your head around all of this stuff, right? A couple of other things you need to think about, of course, is money, which all of this takes cash to do. And the reality is movies are going to bring in more money than a TV show or a, well, any TV show, whether it's on streaming or on broadcast TV or anything. I think we could pretty well say it would be going to streaming. Because we're looking mostly, I think, at limited series, which tend to fit better with the streaming model than you would have on TV. Okay? TV is really about that uh, 13 or 24 episode season. Right? That's just how their broadcast system scheduling is set up. Streaming doesn't have any of those limitations, okay? So you've got to understand that, hey, we're probably not going to be pulling in a billion dollars in ticket sales if we put this on streaming, right? I mean, so that's something to keep in mind as far as, hey, what, what, is the, what sort of story can we tell? What is the scope of the story that we can tell? And then you look at something like Lord of the Rings, okay? The Lord of the Rings movies, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy is beautiful. From the landscapes to the sets to the costumes, it is beautiful, right? Harry Potter is too, for that matter, but Lord of the Rings is just amazing. And part of what makes that series work is is the look of the movies, right? You know, the looks of the, of the hobbits and the Aragorn's costume and Boromir's costume and 80,000 orcs descending on Helm's Deep, right? It looks amazing. Could they have done that on a on a TV budget? Right? Right, these are these are legitimate questions. They have to have answers. And if the answer is no, okay, we have to understand that and accept that, right? And that means either the story doesn't go to TV, it goes to a movie, or it doesn't go to the screen at all, right? We, these are parts of these questions we have to understand. And then the, I think most importantly for this discussion in some ways is how much of the story of a book can you remove and still have as powerful of a story, right? The reason so many of these stories or people want these stories to come to the screen is because they are amazing stories. They're, they're emotional. They touch people in certain ways. They're just good. And how much of that can you translate onto the screen, okay? And as I said, at the beginning, right, you're going to have to be changing the story a little bit, at least, because you're on a different medium. How much of those changes, or how many of those changes can you make before you lose the heart and soul of the story you're telling? Okay. And that, I think, is, it's, those considerations and probably a few others are really something you need to keep in your mind as you start looking at 
would this story, would these books be better as a TV series or as a movie? Okay. So let's talk about a few of them. All right. And let's start with Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, for those of you who don't know, it's a YA series that follows the titular character, Percy Jackson, in a world of, it's like modern, it's the modern world, but where the Greek gods still exist, okay? They never went away. They've just been sort of behind the scenes and most people don't know, don't see them, don't notice them. They have an in-game, or in-game, <laughs> An in-story reason called the mist, which hides the mystical stuff from people who aren't really part of that world. Okay. Now, Percy is a demigod. It means he's a child of one of the Greek gods, in this case, Poseidon. Okay. Now, I okay, maybe that was a spoiler for something that happens in chapter four, but <laughs> still. Um it's a it's a fun series. I really enjoy the the series. Percy Jackson um, and the Olympians is the first one, and then uh, Heroes of Olympus series is the is the sequel that follows Percy and friends, but also brings in demigods from the Roman pantheon, which of course they're very similar to the Greeks. The Romans just hijacked the Greek uh, belief system and made it their own. Okay. So Zeus becomes Jupiter, right? Uh, Mars and Ares are the same characters, right? All right, fun stuff. And they're, they are, they're fun stories. Um, Percy and Annabeth and Grover, they're, they're great characters. And they start getting into um, some of the ones in the later series. And it's just, they're just fun. Okay, so they tried to make these movies. And did not do well. Okay. <laughs> it didn't do well at all. The first movie suffered a little bit from the Harry Potter syndrome of we're going to take a couple of these scenes and just rip them from the books and put them in the, in the movie. Okay. The problem is they decided to tell a different story. I mean, oh, it's vaguely the same. Somebody has stolen Zeus's master lightning bolt. And Harry is tasked to go find it. Okay, that, that's sort of the main gist of the, the plot. And then Percy has adventures along the way. And a lot of the adventures help him and help the audience understand what is the, what is going on, right? And not just in the plot, but in the world, right? So when Harry runs into, or Harry, when Percy runs into Medusa, you understand a little bit more of, oh, hey, Medusa from, yeah, the, the Greek mythology, yeah, she's here and she's real uh, and Percy needs to be careful not to look at her, okay? Right, these are the types of things, right, you've just have to, you have to learn and the books do a great job of sort of easing the reader into this as, as Percy falls deeper and deeper into the, the Greek mythos, okay? Right, and he's running from different monsters that show up and are trying to stop him. He's running in 
ends up, you know, dealing with Hades and the underworld, right? You know, all of this stuff, right? And then eventually throughout the series, it just gets, he just gets deeper and deeper in. But you accept it because of how, how well Rick Riordan was able to sort of ease you in. And the books help with that. But the other thing is most of the situations that he runs into highlights either a power that he has because he's the son of Poseidon or highlights the strengths of his companions, Annabeth and, and Grover. So this is, and, and it's great, does a great job. The movie, and you'll forgive me, it's been a few years since I've seen these movies because they're not good. Uh, the movie, especially the first one, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, doesn't, it doesn't tell the story well, okay? It's just sort of, it's actually in some cases it rips scenes from other books to drop into this first movie, right? It's just weird and the story doesn't necessarily progress well and you never get a chance to really understand the characters of the world or any of this stuff. It just is awkward. And then they made the second one and that was just a hot mess. And, it, and they didn't make a third. Okay. But as they've started to tell the story on TV, they've done a better job of adapting that and realize, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is what makes the Percy Jackson books good. Okay. So awesome. And I said, I've been really enjoying it. And I've been sitting watching this with two of the biggest Percy Jackson fans I know, um, my daughters, who have loved these books for a long time and are. And heck, I think one of them was actually reading the series currently, a rereading the series currently. Okay, so, so that's been fun. I said I'll probably do another, a deep dive into Percy Jackson, um, in a month when the series is over. Um, Harry Potter, is another one that, I think would work better as a TV series than movies. Okay. The movies said they're pretty. Um, I don't know that they do a great job of, of telling the story of, of the, uh, those seven books. I've already talked about the problems with the first two that was just sort of, we're just going to pick favorite scenes and hopefully stitch them together in a way that maybe makes a coherent story, right? And you continue on through, they ended up making eight movies because they split the last book into two. Okay, fair. But when you look at, at the stories of Harry Potter, the different scenes within the school year are almost, are, it's essential. It's why, how the stories are told. And you need a little bit more of that background. Right? The, the one movie that Azkaban, I think, did a pretty good job of telling the story. Um, the uh, oh, I forgot what it, what what it's called. It's the one with the Triwizard Tournament. It's the fourth book movie, whatever. Also does a pretty good job of telling the story because most of the story is just the Triwizard Tournament, and there's a little bit of the stuff around the outside. But the movies, you lose so much of the. Uh, so much of the sort of background that Harry is dealing with 
um, it's just, I'm mean, gonna cut Dobby from it completely. Uh, it's just, you lose so much of the, the flavor. Now, so that one, I think did a pretty good job though, because the reality is most of that was removable, right? That goes to that third consideration I said earlier. How much of the story can you remove and still be as powerful? Most of the stuff around the Triwizard Tournament, a lot of it can be removed, okay? But when you look at, like, um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's or Sorcerer's Stone, right, the first book, most of those story beats are essential to either Harry or the plot or both, and they had to cut out so much of that to fit it into, you know, this two-hour time slot. Or, you know, roughly two hours. Take your, you know, whatever the exact run times are. And that's when I think you lose a lot of the essential character building that happens from those, from the books, translating it into just this two hours of storytelling. But if you've got, say, an eight 45-minute uh, series, right, eight episodes of 45 minutes, you're looking at, well, eight, seven hours, six and a half hours of storytelling, you're doing a lot better. You can fit a lot more of the story in and really keep that power, right, that keep the, the essentials that really make the story great. Okay, and said, let's go back to Percy Jackson. Yes, they cut things, but again, they cut things that weren't necessarily essential to keeping things moving. Okay, so right, the, this is sort of the thought process to go through, and and like I said, it's that last bit. How much of the story can you remove, and have it still be that the same same story, and have the same emotional weight behind it. Okay, so let's look at a, another example, and that's Lord of the Rings. Now, I'm going to talk about the Lord of the Rings extended editions. One, because I think I've seen the theatrical editions twice. Saw them in the theaters, and I think I saw them one other time. I have the theatrical editions and, or the extended editions, and it's, you, you need the extended editions, right? And this goes to that TV or series thing, right? What Peter Jackson did in, it's like 12 hours of storytelling, right? The, the extended editions are like five, I don't know, almost five hours each, so you're pushing... 12 or 15 hours of, of movie, it's it's long. I've watched, I've done that marathon. It's actually really fun, but it's long. And he did a really good job of telling the story from The Lord of the Rings. There are some things that got cut that I think were unfortunate to cut. The whole bit with Tom Bombadil and the Barrow Rights. I could understand why it was cut. And the reality is, it probably didn't hurt the story. 
they they run into the the barrows, which is where they get their swords. Right, all of the hobbits get a a sword from the barrow rites. Um, Frodo loses his in in a fight with the ring rates on Weathertop. But the those swords were, and you re- see this in the book. Those swords were made specifically for fighting the Witch King of, of Agnor. I've all right. I need to go read Lord of the Rings again. I'm reading the Silmarillion. I haven't read the right now. I haven't read the trilogy for a little while. I usually read it every year, every two years, something like that. But they're designed for fighting exactly the ring rates, literally. Which is why when Mary stabs uh, the king of the ring rates, it starts to uh, unravel him. And then giving Aeowyn the opening to finish slaying him. Okay. Awesome. And the movies just basically said, if we're not going to be doing, um, if we're not going to be telling Tom Bombadil and the the Barrows, we need the Hobbits to get these swords. So Aragorn shows up and gives them swords. Right? I mean, that's it's that's one of those things. It's a little hand wavy, but it's not doesn't really detract from the main story. Okay, in the books, that whole scenario with Tom Bombadil shows Frodo, or it shows the hobbits a couple of things. One, the world's a lot more dangerous than they thought. Right? They get in trouble just leaving Hobbiton. Okay, obviously they're being, uh, they're they're being chased by the the ring rates in the Shire, but even once they get out of the Shire, they've barely left, and they're now in mortal danger. And Tom saves them, only for them to fall immediately into danger, and he has to save them again. Okay, it's it's a really it's a wake up call for the hobbits, so that when they get to Bree, they are in a bad way. Okay, it's a it's great for the character development of the hobbits. Um, there's some discussion when they get to the Council of Elrond. Do we give the what do we do with the ring? Oh, we could give it to Bombadil. It's like, well, yeah, but no, <laughs> and for various reasons. So, okay. Again, this is part of the, you can cut this from the story and still have a powerful story. Okay, awesome. That's great. And they did. The other thing they cut, though, was the scouring of the Shire, which is at the very end of the, the books. The story, if, if all you've seen is the movies and not read the books, the, what happens is the, the hobbits have been victorious. The ring's been destroyed. Um, they've hung out in Gondor to see Aragorn's wedding. Uh, right? And now they're coming home to the Shire. And they're stopping by sometimes they're seeing places that they've gone past for various reasons things like they they go back by way of Helm's Deep so so that Gimli and Legolas can explore the caves it's one of the things that was cut from the movie Gimli went into the caves at Helm's Deep as he's fighting orcs 
and to help defends to help defend the keep and defends the people who are in those caves and he comes out of it awed by the beauty of these caves and he has he and legolas promise after this is over legolas will come see the beauty of the caves when they have more time if gimli will go with legolas to explore fangor forest and they and, and this is one of those deals that helps cement their friendship okay which is one of the uh, essential aspects, I think, of those those movies. And I think they captured it pretty well, but some things that were cut. Anyway, so the Hobbits are coming back. They, they see Helm's Deep. They stop by Isengard in the books. Um, everybody's still alive. The Ents are still sitting there watching. Um, Saruman is still on top of the tower. Wormtongue is still there with him. Uh, in the movies, they had him die midway through the one of the movies, right after the, the Battle of Helm's Deep and after the Ents overthrow Isengard, right? The kings of the West show up, and that's where Saruman dies. In the books, it doesn't happen then. He has... He leaves Isengard, right? Uh, Treebeard lets him go. And that's the end of it as far as the Ents are concerned. In the books, the hobbits run into him again in the Shire. And he has been over for pretty much since even before the adventure really starts, Saruman has started meddling in the Shire. And by the time the hobbits get back, Saruman and his lackeys have been, um, have basically destroyed the Shire as the hobbits know it. I mean, they've, they've started tearing down trees and building uh, factories that just are polluting the, the Shire. Food is now scarce. Um, you've got ruffians and stuff basically running the, the Shire and the hobbits show up and these are these are four hobbits who have now been through war and you know right, the, literally face down the forces of Mordor right Mary has has helped slay a ring wraith Pippin was at the the battle at the gates of of Mordor and slayed a uh, a cave troll Frodo lost a finger on Mount Doom, he was the ring bearer, right? Sam, who I think is the hero of the series, you know, helping Frodo go through, and Sam also was a ring bearer for a time. So they, they are now coming home and they see this trouble. Like, no, we're not going to roll over. We're, you know, we're not going to be the sort of, soft pushovers that that the hobbits have been pretty much since the hobbit really they are now coming back and saying here's we are going to stop this and we can do this on our own and it's a powerful story of the growth of the hobbits particularly mary and pippin but also sam 
And it's like, hey, this is essential. And they had to cut it because there just wasn't time to film it. There wasn't, where do you put it in the movie, right? At, well, at the end, obviously. But it just didn't quite, the way their story was told, it kind of made sense. They come home happily ever after. All right. I think if you could tell that as a series. So, for example, if you did everything the same and you made it a, um, I don't know, eight, made it a 10-hour series, you could basically tell the exact same story that you had and add in those couple of little extra things. You could add in Bombadil. You could add in the scattering of the Shire, and you'd be okay. Okay, but that's the entire trilogy in 10 episodes rather than, yeah, because three extended editions, right? And that would have worked out fine. And that part of that is because Tolkien, I love Tolkien. I love the language of Tolkien. But sometimes he's just wordy, <laughs> okay? And a lot of what he's, he, his words are describing the history, describing the beauty and all, and all of this stuff, and it's great, but a lot of it, it, it translates just to, this is a, this area, it looks beautiful. You can just see it, right? This is the picture's worth a thousand words, okay? And then there are other series, you know, and, and you can go down the list, like um, the Honor Harrington series. Definitely one I think works better as a TV series rather than, um, movies there's just a lot going on that i don't think would condense well into a two-hour block others you know i'm are i think there are a lot of movies that are a lot of books that are more or less standalone books that could probably translate better as movies you know it, it just depends see and that's the thing. It depends, right? Twilight, Twilight series. Those might actually be better as movies. Um, there are some things you might be able to tell a little bit better if you had a little more time. But it's hard to say. Fablehaven, the Fablehaven books are sort of the same way. It's like, and now I have to admit, I haven't read Fablehaven in three or four years, so I'm a little light on some of the details those might work better as movies. The problem you have with Fablehaven is that there's a lot of fantastical critters happening, right? You've got, you've got fairies and centaurs and, and all of the, you know, all of the various fantastical monsters and, and creatures that are in all of these parks. How well could you actually portray all of that on the admittedly limited budget that you would have for a, a series. I don't know. I don't know. So it's, that's the, the drawback, right? So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I tend to think if you've got a series of books, then you're almost, in most cases, you're probably better off trying to tell that as a limited TV series, okay? Something that's at eight parts or 10 parts, 
six, you know, just depending on how many episodes do we need to tell this story? But that's not to say there aren't movies that wouldn't translate beautifully as movies. One of the one book that I think that would have done better as maybe two movies is The Hobbit. Making it three was insane. One might not have been long enough, especially if they're pulling in some the uh, some of the other backstory of oh here's the wise evicting the necromancer right and some of that additional backstory that is hinted at in the hobbit but you don't actually see well they show it in the movies which is great but okay maybe make that a two-part movie or a you know or you could do a a shorter limited series for just the hobbit making it three and making it three with extended editions that that book that story doesn't support that many movies. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, let me know what what do you think? Are there books that you've that you've uh, you love that that you would love to see on the screen? Would you like to see them as movies? Would you like to see them as TV series? Um, let me know. I'm I'm curious what other uh, what other stories are out there that you think might work well. I'll throw another series at you. The uh, Jack Ryan stories from uh, Tom Clancy might work better as a, as a series. The, some of the movies they did were great. Hunt for Red October was amazing. But, you know, maybe you take those books and you don't do a season per book, but you do the entire story through all of those books through multiple seasons. Right? I don't know. Let me know what you think. I'm curious. Um, and... Uh, until next time, be excellent to each other. And this is Music Free Static signing off. <laughs>